The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In the book of Acts, chapter 21, Paul finishes his third missionary journey. He has made his way all the way through that area, and for the third time, he's coming back and going to Jerusalem. He has made a vow to be in Jerusalem at Pentecost, and so people are warning him, don't go. It's going to be difficult, and he says, even if I die, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is Bert Harper and Alex McFarlane, and we're in Acts 21 as we're going through the book of Acts, really enjoying it. This is our second time to do this on Exploring the Word. We did it years earlier, but we're doing it again, and we're enjoying this journey as well, aren't we, Alex? We really are. We, we really are. And have you, um, you ever heard the phrase, an object lesson, you know, where somebody does something very visible to Okay, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, well, um, in Acts 21, Agabus does a really vivid object lesson, uh, doesn't he? He does. Uh, and again, yes. it has, uh, it's more like the Old Testament. A lot of the Old Testament yeah. prophets uh, would do that, and Agabus does it here. He is a prophet. And yes. we're going to find out four more prophets that are in Caesarea that has a connection with their dad. We're going to study that as well. But notice in chapter 21, notice it says we again. This means right. Luke is with him, mm -hmm. and he's been with him. This is the longest distance that we have, the we passages in the book of Acts, and that's what they're called. And they departed, and they're headed to Phoenicia. Verse 2, we went aboard and set sail. We had sighted Cyprus. We passed it to the left, passed to set sail to Syria, landed at Tyre, for there was a ship was to unload her cargo. Alex, again, you have made that statement, and I want to agree with you fully. The details that Luke puts into his narrative here just adds credence to the validity of it, doesn't it? Well, it really does. I mean, there's so much detail about Paul's coming and going. And, well, from Pentecost through the Damascus Road, Paul's missionary journeys, I love how they're on this kind of seashore in verse 5. And uh, as they're departing, everybody got on the shore and knelt and prayed. And it says, when we had taken our leave, one of another, we took ship, and they returned home. And Bert, you know, throughout church history, um, I've been a part of commissioning services for missionaries. Um, it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of the family of God. And people come and people go. And one of the beautiful things about being a Christian, you know, psychologists say that one thing all most humans, virtually all, have what's called separation anxiety. We don't like to say goodbye. But, you know, when we're Christians, we know the, the loved one who goes on a trip, they're in God's care, and they're on God's mission. And, you know, I think the great reunion day that we know is coming, and there might be somebody listening even now, and they've had a funeral this year, and they long to see some loved one again. Friend, uh, they're a believer, you're a believer, you will meet again. There's a lot of goodbyes, but praise the Lord because of eternal life in Jesus, 
Christians know there's always a great reunion. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. That is a blessed thought that we will be together with the Lord Jesus. And we will know one another in heaven. We will know one another. And it says they finished their voyage from Tyre, went on and greeted one another. And on the next day, verse 8, we who were with Paul's companions. Now, that is a little bit different than, than he has said this before. We who were Paul's companions. In other words, Paul's a leader. He mm-hmm. is the declared leader, and they are with him, supporting him. They departed and came to Caesarea and entered to the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now, this is interesting. We know something about Philip. He's the guy yep. that we met earlier. In He is one of the seven in chapter 6. And then we find him going along with the Ethiopian eunuch and him preaching to him and baptizing him. And then he made his way back to Caesarea. It sounds like that's where he stayed. He must have found his ministry in Caesarea. And as Paul is going from place to place, it seems like Philip stays in one place and does his ministry. God mm-hmm. can do both, and and each person is following the Lord's will, aren't they? Amen. Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So, I mean, these are people full of the Spirit of God doing the work of the Lord. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now, I mention this because he takes a piece of Paul's clothing, and he says, look, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to arrest you. They're going to hand you over to the Gentiles. And so they, well, Agabus ties it around his wrist, and he's saying, look, I'm not going to let you go. It's almost like when Peter said to Jesus, you know, I'm, I'm never going to let this happen. Uh, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Paul says, what do you mean to weep and to break my heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, This is vivid. Uh, Agabus is acting on something he feels very deeply. He's trying to protect Paul, isn't he? He really is. Now, I noticed something in verse 12 I thought was a little bit intriguing. Notice how Luke says this. And when we heard these things... Who is yeah. that? The, his companions, and not just them, but those from the place, that place pleaded with him. In other words, both groups, those that had arrived with Paul and those that were with Paul. Is Philip one of those saying, oh, Paul, you don't need to go up there. You need to stay here. We don't know. Agabus was saying that. But Paul, as you said it, what? why are you doing this to me? I am ready not only to be bound but to die, as you said now, what for? For the name of the Lord Jesus, not for my glory, not for anything, but for the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. He felt compelled to go. So when he would not be persuaded, right. notice what happened to the we. We see saying, the will of the Lord be done. In other words, we ceased saying, don't go. And what did Luke say? Let the God's will of will the be Lord done. be done. And Alex... Uh, I think that's right no matter what, the will of the Lord be done in our lives. Well, you know, we've said this many times. Uh, you have to follow Christ even at the risk of being misunderstood. And, Bert, I've counseled with many families where, you know, somebody gets a call of God to do something, and there's this principle called the Gamaliel principle. In, in fact, 
Um, I just recently saw a, a couple that uh, about a decade ago, the man felt a call to preach, and I gave him some opportunities, and he, in my opinion, definitely had teaching and preaching gifts, and his wife came to me and said, no way, you know, in his 50s, he can't go to seminary. Bert, can somebody go to seminary or Bible college in their 50s? I want to tell you, some of my best friends were close to that age in college and seminary, both for me. One of my best friends, Ken Cooper, and Ken could be listening. He's retired Air Force, retired pastor, retired missionary. And after he got out of the uh, Air Force, spent his time there, we went to school to Blue Mountain together. We went on to seminary together. And what a time. Another guy's name was Wiley Gann. Wiley yeah. was a businessman, and he became my pastor. And uh, he performed the ceremony for Jan and myself. And uh, he was older in that age, and uh, he and I went to school together. And, and some of those people that were called, uh, you know, later on in life, they really encouraged those of us that were younger, Alex. And uh, not only can they be called, they can be used greatly of God to help other younger guys. Well, in, indeed. Um, I, I've said this before, and I don't mean to be repetitious, but I, it was my honor about 15 years ago to participate in the ordination of a man that went to seminary at 74 years old. But what <laughs> I was going to say about verse 14, the words, the will of the Lord be done. Sooner or later in your Christian life, you might be on the side of needing to obey God, even at the risk of being misunderstood, or maybe somebody you deeply care about feels very convicted to do something or, or give, give to a cause, and you don't understand it. And remember Gamaliel said, look, um, if somebody is very, very convinced about something, um, if, if it's not of God, don't worry, it'll come to naught. But if it is of God, you don't want to be opposing it. And sometimes, Bert, we have to just step back and say, this is out of my hands. God's will be done. That, that is a decision that every now and then we have to come to. And really, that's the way it is no matter what. Honestly, that is the bottom line. Yeah. I found verse 15. You know I'm finding these verses. But the reason I, I noticed this is because uh, these guys, they were with Paul. They didn't want him to be killed. They didn't want him to be in prison. But notice it says, after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. We packed. In other words, we got it together. Yes, he was going into danger. And we knew if we were going with him, we would be in danger. But what did Luke and the others do? We went with him. Man, be that kind of a friend. Don't be the fair-weather friend. Uh, later on, we're going to find out in Second Timothy that Paul writes to Timothy and says, Only Luke is with me. Demas has departed, loving the present world. Stay with Christ. And this is what Luke does. And notice what also, and, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us. Now, Alex, uh, they knew the danger. They was trying to talk him out of going. But they said, If you're going, we're going. Man, that's yeah. good friendship, isn't it? Well, it is. There, there's an interesting name, uh, and there's a, here's, for those of you that are grammar people, there, there's a diphthong, two consonants together, M-N-A-S-O-N. <laughs> And I, I, saved, it, I saved you pronouncing that name because you it, majored in English. I did Nason. not. I don't know if the M is not, or if it's M-N-A-S-O-N. 
But anyway, it's interesting. It says he is an old disciple with whom he should lodge. Now, some translations say an early disciple. Now, whether he was elderly or whether he had been a follower of Jesus a long time, I don't know. But they are going to stay with him. And it says when they come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Well, so far, so good, right? So far, so good. Now, listen, there's going to something happen in verse 18. On the following day, Paul went with us to James and all the what? Elders, not the apostles. Now, we're getting real close to the end of this segment, but probably the apostles had been sent out, but James, the half-brother of Jesus, stays, and they have elders in the church. But the apostles probably have gone to their different. Thomas went to India, Matthew into Africa. They went all over. And we're going to come back to that and talk about that later. We're going to do something different today, Alex. We're going to take phone calls right now. Yeah, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We're taking phone calls in two segments today because we want to hear from you and your Bible question. Don't go away. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is Oh, yeah, some toe-tapping Southern gospel music. That's something pretty good on this summer afternoon. Get your, get your uh, spirits up with some of that good old gospel music. And the number, here's the number for your Bible questions, and you will get in. We're starting early on answering questions today, but it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Hey, Bert, can I give a little bit of uh, update on our summer camp that's going on right now? Okay, we want to hear it. I know you're in South Carolina, and that's why when Alex, I love to do, be with Alex, and he's on the road. Uh, he'll be at a camp, and you'll hear music in the background. You hear people in the background. That's not disturbing. That's exciting because that means Alex is on the road. And so, Alex, give us a report, brother. Well, praise God. You know, this morning I was doing a lesson out of Galatians. And, you know, in Galatians 5, it talks about the the works of the flesh or this, 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 uh, you know, selfishness, envying, drunkenness, carousing. But the fruits of the Spirit are this, love, patience. And I was talking about the fruits of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. And these kids, and there's um, if chaperones and all, there's over 100 people here. They were asking questions about how the culture got where it is. And, you know, we were just go where the Spirit leads. And, you know, I was sharing about 50 years ago during the 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 sexual revolution of the 1960s and then the 70s came along and our many of our colleges begin to teach moral relativism and i said here we are like five decades into a drift away from god and i said you all must be the generation that restores america and they were saying yes yes 
And Bert, we had, I'm going to say, a dozen kids pray to accept Christ this morning. I shared the gospel, and I said, look, you, you, gotta, you have to make that decision. Your, your mom and dad or grandparents, maybe they're a Christian. That's great. But you have to make that commitment in your heart. And every, every kid that makes a decision for Christ, we give them a booklet. But uh, I appreciate everybody's prayers. Uh, kids are making decisions. I'll be speaking right after Exploring the Word. We do a Q&A, which is always really fun. And then I'll be speaking tonight and heading off to Texas tomorrow. But, uh, Bert, God is still claiming young lives for the gospel, and they are getting a vision to be salt and light in this country. Amen, Alex. We thank God for you doing these camps, and what a a, a, a blessing it is to hear what God is doing. Well, people, they started calling in after we found they found out they could call in early. So let's mm-hmm. go to the great state of North Carolina and talk to Marty. Welcome, Marty. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I sure appreciate your ministry. I've been uplifted and encouraged by just what you shared today. It's been tremendous. Well, God you. is good. Listen, I have a question, if you could answer it for me, possibly. Uh, I guess you all are familiar with the lives of, of uh, Charles Finney and D.L. Moody. Yes, and, and 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 I was wondering, in relation to the uh, ministry of, of, of evangelism and, and discipleship, uh, Charles Finney had a remarkable filling of the Holy Spirit just on the night that he trusted Christ as a Savior. I would think it went for about two hours. And as you know, he had great impact. Just He would just talk to people, and people would be, would, would be uh, come to, to come to the truth about their sin and be broken and repentant and trust Christ as a Savior. And then D.L. Moody, now his happened later on, after two women told him that God was going to, after they had heard his ministry previously, that they, God was going to do an even greater work. And that they were on the corner edge of Lake Michigan. He said, listen, it was going to be even greater than this great Lake Michigan and so forth, you know, even wider and greater than that. And as he was walking down the streets of Chicago one day, he was so filled with the Holy Spirit by the tremendous, awesome love of God. Now, get this. I don't understand this. But he actually asked God to stay his hand. Yeah. I don't think I would have done that. Would you? (laughs) Well, hey, Marty, I love this. They are two of my heroes when I, I've read books about them, and even in my course that I took on evangelism in seminary with Dr. Lewis Drummond, who is the bill, chair of the Billy Graham Evangelism at a Southern Seminary, uh, we studied uh, so much, of especially Charles Finney. But that story about D.L. Moody, Lord, hold your hand. I, I believe he was so overwhelmed. And again, Marty, I wasn't there, but I... Listen, do you remember when in the Old Testament when they were taking up the offering for the temple, uh, for the uh, tabernacle, and they they said, we want all this, and they said, oh, we've got enough. Don't give any more. So God's overwhelming sense of his presence, which brings his power. Alex, at that moment for D.L. Moody, it was overwhelming, wasn't it? Well, it, it really was, and let me recommend a book. I haven't mentioned this in a while, but Elmer Towns, uh, longtime dean of Liberty University, incredible man of God. Um, he's, he's getting on up there. He's well, well into his 90s, but what a man of God. Elmer Towns, E-L Towns, T-O-W-N-S, wrote a book called Understanding the Deeper Life. 
And he talks about Charles Finney, and he talks about D.L. Moody, and he talks about a lot of the leaders that have really, Bert, for the last century and a half, shaped the world. And Dr. Towns, and he quotes the one where D.L. Moody says, you know, that he had to ask God to, quote, stay his hand. In other words, Lord, I'm, I, I don't know any other way to say it. I'm about to bust here, you know. Yes. <laughs> and but let me encourage some of you. It's out of print, but go online. Maybe find that book by Elmer Towns, Understanding the Deeper Life. Because, Bert, we all need to have as much of the Holy Spirit as we possibly can controlling our life, don't we? We do. Let me give you something else, Marty, and this is newer. This is when I first uh, started preaching, and I would go to these fullness conferences, The Deeper Life. Dr. Adrian Rogers, Ron Dunn. Bertha Smith, Manly Beasley. If you can get any of their messages or anything, I want to tell you, it will help you in that area, the deeper life and understanding it. Again, Dr. Adrian Rogers, pastor of the great Bellevue Baptist Church, one of the greatest preachers, not only in our time, but I think ever. Ron Dunn, Bertha Smith, Manly Beasley. That mm-hmm. really set my course on the Spirit of the Lord, walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, being led by the Spirit. And so it's it was not only true with Dale Moody and Manly Beasley, there's others who have experienced that great, great indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Marty. Man, I, I love that call. Let's go to Minnesota and talk to Nicholas. Welcome, Nicholas. Hi. Um, I listen to you guys every day. I think you guys are awesome. Um, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay. Uh, let me just tell you, we know the rapture is going to take place. That's, that is given. He says, I'm coming back. And they say, well, the word rapture is not up there. The word caught up is, and the word for caught up in Latin is rapture. And so there's going to be a gathering away. When is it going to happen? Alex and I believe it's going to be before the seven-year trip. There's others that believes it's going to happen halfway between it because at the three and a half years begins the great tribulation. Others believe we're going to go through it. Alex, uh, I, I just believe when you read the book of, uh, I would say, Revelation and Daniel, you come up with a pre the, the reality of a pre-trib. Well, what about you? Yeah, I, I do. I, I am a pre-tribulational rapture believer. I really am. And let me encourage people, and I, I, I realize, Bert, um, the, the point of orthodoxy on which we all agree is that Christ is coming back. The Lord is coming back. Um, and there are different people read all the, the prophecy passages, the eschatological passages of Daniel and Revelation, and even, you know, Matthew um, and First Thessalonians 4 uh, and Different people come out with different ideas, but but I, I honestly believe, and I don't obviously I don't burn bridges or you know fall out with people who aren't pre-tribulational, but if you are consistently literal in your understanding of Scripture, and you understand that there is a distinction between Israel and the Church, um, that. And, and if you believe that Revelation 4 and forward is future, not history, I think you'll come out with that. Bert, for what it's worth, um, when I was a brand-new believer, uh, I had never heard of uh, John Walvoord or 
uh, you know, um, Tim LaHaye or Jerry Jenkins or any of the people like that that have written extensively on prophecy or, or Hal Lindsey. But I just read the Bible for myself. Um, I came out with an understanding of future events that looks like pre-tribulationalism. And then later, when I was in school and I was reading, you know, John Walford and Harold Wilmington and Hal Lindsey, I was like, wow, other guys believe it this way too, you know? So um, I, I really do think there's going to be a catching away, like First Thessalonians 4 talks about. We'll meet the Lord in the air. Seven years of tribulation will un, unfurl here on earth. And Bert, um, half the time I read the morning news, it looks like we're in the tribulation already. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we are in tribulation. Now let's, let's make sure we understand this. We are in tribulation, but the tribulation period is that seven-year period. And if you only believe in the pre-trib uh, because, oh, I don't want to suffer, I think you're going to probably be disappointed, Alex. Uh, you know, because right now we have brothers and sisters that are suffering deeply in other countries beyond measure what they're going through. Is the United States exempt from that? No, we will not. Will Christ come back before that happens? We don't know. We know that he's coming back. We believe that, and we know that, and we need to be ready, and we believe that the, 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 tribulate, the period, tribulation period, that seven years will come afterwards. But again, you, we, want, uh, we don't want to burn those bridges because we have brothers and sisters who, who believe otherwise. But the whole idea is he is coming back visibly and personally. Hey, that number, Amen. if you want to call, and we've got lines open, is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We're going to the phones early today. And so right now we're going to go to Arkansas and talk to Robert. Welcome, Robert. Yes, <clears throat> hello. Yes, thank you for calling. Turn your radio, turn your radio off, Robert. Okay, is that, a, is that better? Yeah, a lot better. Thank you. Go ahead. Yes. <clears throat> I called the end of last week. I'm glad I caught you uh, calling early uh, today. And uh, I had a, they was talking about destination. And uh, I had a question uh, come in regarding uh, uh, the, the predestination, whether Jesus told uh, Judas that what you do, do quickly because you was uh, created for this cause. And so if you, you, you're saying that God wishes none to perish, however, uh, he, Jesus said that uh, he was created for that purpose, to betray him. It, it could have been nobody else on earth to do that uh, except for Judas. Okay, Robert. Hey, Alex, we've, we've just discussed this before. Let me share this with you, uh, Robert. Let me just say uh, Judas had a choice. You remember he was at that place when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus, he I think, is giving him warning, and I think maybe his eye caught him. I don't know that definitely, but it's going to talk about just because you've been a part of this, you know, you've cast out demons, you've done that, you that doesn't make you right with God. You've got to trust the Lord, and I think Judas is carrying purposefully, willfully said no to the Lord. Go ahead, Alex. Well, in John 13, 27, it does contain the words, what you do, do quickly. 
But let's go to the beginning of John 13, 27. It says, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, Satan entered into him. See, God didn't make him do it. Now, God knew, and Judas did it, but um, Judas was not a pawn. Satan entered into him, and he chose to betray the Lord, didn't he, Bert? He really did. It was a willful choice. And, Robert, we haven't worked all that out, how the sovereignty of God and the free will of a man, man choosing, uh, who was it said, why should friends be in conflict with one another, Alex? Was that yeah. Spurgeon? Uh, yeah, somebody said, how do you reconcile the, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? And Spurgeon said, well, you don't have to reconcile friends. But, you know, Bert, um, all the way back 1,800 years after the start of, of the, I mean, 1,800 years ago, just a couple of hundred years into the church age, even some of the early leaders like Chrysostom, there was a preacher named John Chrysostom. They called him Golden Throat because he was such a right. wonderful orator. And he preached a sermon on this. How can Judas be blamed if God knew what he was going to do? And Chrysostom, he was very orthodox, but he said, look, um, because humans use their free will to choose to sin, that doesn't make God guilty, you know, because... Now, let me just say this. I know we've got to move on. Some people might say, well, I didn't ask to be born. That's true. A, a sovereign God gave us life, and life is a great, great gift. Bert, um, God gave us life, but he also gives us the way of salvation. So God is to be praised. We don't, we don't always understand why humans use their free choice to do wrong. Judas did. Millions of others have. But Life is a gift, and we need to be grateful that we're alive. We need to come to Jesus and have eternal life. And, Bert, when we get into eternity, you know, the Bible says that into the ages we'll understand the riches of his grace and his greatness. I, it's going to be worth it to, to bear the cross and follow the Lord and walk that narrow way. It's going to be worth it, isn't it, Bert? It will then be worth it all. And we're praying, you know the Lord, you who are listening, and you're following him. We're going to take, continue to take phone calls. That number is 888-589-8840. We have lines open. We're going to get to as many calls as we can today on Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Bert and Alex, and we're taking phone calls on this, this great Tuesday afternoon. We hope you're having a great day today. And we've talked to people already, but now let's go to Tennessee and talk to Steve. Welcome, Steve. Hey there, Bert and Alex, Alex and Bert. <laughs> yes, thank <laughs> hey, you. Hey, we answer to both. Just so you don't get us mixed up, we're good. <laughs> um, yes, uh, and so we'll... I was at Walmart, and in the change uh, return, uh, well, there was this nice metal that goes on the key ring. And so uh, I looked at it, I said, you know, God, this is really nice. And so uh, uh, on it says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I've memorized it, and I've heard you talking about it before. So, but well, uh, what book and chapter and verse does this come from in the Bible? Isaiah, doesn't it? Yeah, Bert, do you know? Hey, you, you're, I was thinking to say, ask Alex the concordance guy. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think it is, Alex. Isaiah 41, I believe it is. Is but, Am I right, brother? I'm looking it up real you know, quickly. I get a, okay, now Isaiah 40, 31 says, those that wait on the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. And It is that, 41, chapter 10. It okay, is. You yes. are exactly right. That's a right. great chapter. It is. It? it is. And this is according to God's greatness. Notice in verse 13, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Verse 14 says, Fear not. That whole chapter has the old idea of not uh, not being fearful. In verse 6 earlier, it says, Be of good courage. So, Steve, uh, you, you sounded like you bought a good verse, brother. Yeah, I, I'm, I keep this medal with me uh, every time I'm, I'm able to carry it. And so I was just wondering uh, about uh, the book it came from. So it's Isaiah, and what specifically is it again, Isaiah? 4110. Isaiah 4110. That's it. And, and the whole idea is I am with you. That's why to make heaven, I, I'm excited about streets of gold and the gates of pearl, but more than anything else, we're going to be there with Jesus and so, and but until then, the Holy Spirit's in us, so He's with us. So that promise, I am with you, Alex, is good for believers today, isn't it? It really is. And folks, be mindful of that. Christ, Hebrews thirteen says He will never leave or forsake us, and no matter what you're going through, He's with you. And boy, isn't that a great promise, Bert? Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hey, Steve, thank you, brother, for calling today. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Brandon. Thank you, Brandon, for calling. Hey yes. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. So, you, know, you were talking about revelations earlier, and I think Alex said as long as you believe chapter four and on is in the future. So, uh, about a month ago, I read through revelations over a couple of days on my own, and then I went on to, I guess, what I thought was a trusted site to get some extra commentary and explanation, but it was basically explaining that Revelations, or the majority of it, was about the fall of the Roman Empire. So yeah. now I'm confused. Okay, yes. I, hey, guess what, Brandon? We had, I had to learn about that in college and seminary, although my professors did not necessarily say that. Yes, the Roman Empire fell. I think it was a picture of what the Great Tribulation is going to be. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, all right, there, there's a couple of ways to look at Revelation, and scholars have come up with a word, they call it apocalyptic literature. Now, the word apocalypse, though, most people think apocalypse is like war and cataclysm, but really the word uh, apocalypsis is really unveiling. And the apocalypse is the, the unveiling of Jesus. He's coming back one day, and every eye will see him. So, Regarding apocalyptic literature, and, and I, I think really more properly, Revelation 1 through 3 is history, but 4 through 20 is prophecy. Okay, uh, there are a couple of ways to look at Revelation. Preterism, the prefix pre, P-R-E, 
preterism says that revelation has already happened, that this was John's pictorial way of describing the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. But, Bert, um, I, I really think the, the word for that is, is presupp- presuppositionalism. To, I mean, to presuppose you're, you're saying um, that you know more than what the, the plain words say. I mean, when you, the, the way we look at Scripture is called literal and historical. We do consider the historical context, but we take the words for what they say. And Bert, it, it seems like the, the apostles, Paul writing the letters, uh, Peter writing his two books, James, and certainly John, they, they didn't seem to be writing uh, symbolism. Now, he said, I was caught up to the third heaven, and I saw things that I really don't have the capacity to explain what I saw, but here's my best attempt. And, and so I really don't think preterism, in other words, viewing it as history, is, is accurate because he says, the angel showed me the things which are and the things which will be. And so um, I've, I've got to say this, and I know we need to move on. There are godly people that are preterists, uh, but I think that you really have to do some some mental gymnastics to try to mean that Revelation four through twenty is about the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. seventy. When did all? When did a third of the stars fall from the sky? When did the fish of the ocean die and pollute the waters of the entire planet? You know, when did the the moon turned to blood and the, the sky fall. I mean, that's just not really, well, I think it's pretty imaginative to try to get that out of that. I think he's talking about these future tribulations, the reign of the Antichrist, birth, the, the seals, the trumpets, the vials of judgment, that they, they really parallel the um, plagues on Egypt, and, and I think in, in some measure the seven-year tribulation that is yet to be will parallel uh, the judgments God poured on Egypt during the time of the Hebrew captivity. I think you're right. Brandon, thank you for that call. We're going to go on to calls. We've got people coming in. We may have room for another one. If you want to call us at 888 589 Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Forrest. Welcome, hey Forrest. There. How you doing? Doing good. Go right ahead, brother. Well, I've been struggling with something lately about uh, patriotism versus peace. And um, it goes down even to the beginning of our country. Was it wrong for our founding fathers to rebel against England and, and take up arms? Mm. Hey, let me speak to this for a second, Bert. Um, my... One of my theological mentors was the late, great Norm Geisler, and he wrote about this, um, that was the American Revolution justified? Jefferson believed it was because when, when he wrote in the Declaration, appealing to God for the rectitude of our intentions, moral rectitude means moral rightness. Were they morally justified in going to war against the King of England, and I believe they were. 
um, because there were the quartering act. Soldiers could just come in and take up residency and sleep in your house and eat your food, and the colonists had no say. And there were the regulatory acts and taxation and the port act. And so the, you know, Jefferson wrote about the abuses and usurpations. Well, here's the thing. Jefferson and the colonists were saying, look, if we don't respond to all these evils, we're complicit with it. But here's what Dr. Geisler would have said. Even if the American Revolution was not morally justified, which I think it completely was, uh, but even if it weren't, um, the baby that was birthed, we love and cherish. Um, even if a baby is conceived illegitimately, the baby that is born is worthy to be loved and nurtured. Bert, if the baby, the United States of America, and I think as Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address, a nation so conceived, um, I think America was ordained by God. There's never been a country that has contributed so much to the Great Commission. Look, um, from penicillin, airplanes, air conditioning, and the telephone, our technological achievements have blessed the world. Bert, I clearly think by the fruit of the United States of America, we can confidently know the revolution, hard as that might have been, it was justified and God allowed it. And in fact, God has blessed this nation and may he continue to do so. Forrest, we hope that helps. Let me just say one thing. They tried to reconcile the differences, and England would not. And the Bible talks about live peaceably with all men as much as possible. If you look at the colonists, they tried, and it was England that forced the hand more than the rebellion itself. That's just the end there. Let's go to North Carolina. Lorenzo, thank you. Lorenzo, are you there? Go yes, right ahead. Uh, Lorenzo Holmes. Yes, go right ahead, brother. Yeah, somebody was um, somebody was talking to you about uh, about the Holy Spirit. A lot of people talk about that, or they talk about uh, Judas Iscariot, how how the devil entered to him. Well, remember one thing: everybody on the earth is everybody does have a spirit in them. Everybody, and you either have if you don't have the Holy Ghost in you, then you have the devil spirit in you. I don't care how nice or good you are, uh, and the only one, the only one, go ahead and deliver you from the power of Satan is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the good thing about it: once Jesus Christ uh, deliver, uh, 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 cast your devils out of your soul and spirit, He seals you. He put that Holy Ghost in you. He seals you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And once He put that Holy Ghost in you, once He put the Holy Ghost in you. That, 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 uh, uh, you can't never go to hell. Once the, oh, well, you got to get saved the right way. Hey, not, man. Everybody, not everybody said, not everybody said he's saved is saved. Uh, uh, Lorenzo, thank you, brother. Listen, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we've talked about it many times. The baptism takes place at the moment of salvation. Call it the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. He comes in in his presence, and along with his presence comes his power. We just need to use that power to live godly lives. Alex, that's what it says. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's the power of God to change lives, isn't it? 
Well, it is, and we're not to quench the Spirit uh, either. And so uh, that's uh, there in, um, let me ask, where is that verse, Bert, about not quenching the Holy that's Spirit? That's in First uh, Thessalonians 5. You're uh, right. Yeah, first that's right. one of those uh, that you know, 18 or something like that. And but, despise yeah. not prophesying. You that's remember right. that? Yes, it is. You got about 10 different things there in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul just clips them off one right after another. That book could have been a lot longer if he'd give editorial to each one of those. Hey, <laughs> thank yeah. you for that call. Let's go to Texas and talk to Ron. Welcome, Ron. Uh, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate and uh, praise God for American Family Radio. Uh, my my question is uh, concerning Acts 10 and 11, where it's talking about how uh, Peter was on the roof and the sheep came down with all the different animals and winged and all this stuff. Now, and and the Lord told him, he said, go and eat. Now, and don't call unclean what the Lord has planned is is that in part due or correlated to the fact of the death, burial, and the resurrection, that sacrifice? Okay. Ron, great question. I'll put it this way. It's a new covenant. It's not the old covenant. Now, the covenant was always by grace through faith, but you, the limitations that the Jewish people had was to identify them. It was to protect them. But now all these animals, why would you call them unclean? That identification of being Jewish by itself was gone. Now it was the church and followers of Christ. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, the, the old covenant was completely fulfilled by Christ. The dietary boundaries and restrictions that the, the ancient Jews were under, it was all fulfilled when Christ said, it is finished. That's why uh, what God has called clean, we really don't, we can't and shouldn't call unclean. And so... Peter's vision there in Acts uh, paved the way for barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we're going to try Bacon, to get Larry. barbecue and brisket. Yeah, amen. Larry in Texas, we don't have a lot of time. Go right ahead quickly, brother. Larry? Hello? Go ahead. You don't have yes, a lot hey, of time, so you, go right ahead. Okay. Good. Well, I shouldn't answer this question yet because it's going to talk, probably going to take some time. Uh, anyway, listen, first time caller, this new guys uh, don't agree with everything, but I love hearing you, uh, hear you uh, 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 what you're doing. Appreciate you. My question is in regard to uh, I'm not premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial. I, I think I'm just a panmillennial. I think it's going to all pan out in the end. <laughs> yes. And, um, that hey, Larry, call back next week if you would. We'd love to talk to you. But listen, no matter if you're a pan, uh, pre. Mid, whatever, it is pan. It's going to pan out God's way for sure, isn't it, Alex? Amen. And I and doubt if any one man has it all down pat, including you and me. I think we're all going to be surprised at a few of the things in the future. How about you? You know, and as Galatians says, be ready, be faithful. Stay ready, stay faithful. That's the main thing for us to do. Folks, this has been Exploring the Word with Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. I've been coming to you from Camp Awanata, one of our summer worldview camps. Keep us in prayer and keep your radio tuned to the American Family Radio Network. Let me encourage you. Tell somebody about Jesus. Pray for America. Stand strong for truth and know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.